Experts claim there is nothing tougher than a diamond. But at Diamonds Direct, we beg to differ. Have you ever met a mother? Strong, radiant, timeless. This Mother's Day, give her the gift that meets her match. With diamond jewelry starting at $200, plus Diamonds Direct's exceptional quality and unbeatable everyday price, you're sure to give her a gift that wows this generation and the next to come. Experience the thrill of jewelry shopping done right at Diamonds Direct. Diamonds Direct. Your love, our passion. Trinity School of Natural Health can help you be part of the fast-growing health and wellness industry. With an education that empowers communities, Trinity grads can change lives by applying natural health principles and techniques in holistic practices or stores selling nourishing health products. Offering 19 online programs that fit your busy schedule, you'll get training to help turn your passion into a career. Enroll today at trinityschool.org. That's trinityschool.org. When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products. Because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger. Fresh for everyone. Okay, I'm going to teach you a quick and easy way to make $3 million a year. Just bear with me. First, in a small saucepan, mix a half cup of water with one and a half cups of sugar. Okay, now bring that to a boil. Second, in a separate bowl, dump a cup and a half of tahini, add a pinch of salt, and a teaspoon of vanilla extract. Now, I know the real stuff is expensive, but trust me, it's worth it. Third, the sugar water. Is it boiling? Great. Okay, pour that into your tahini, and now mix it. Then dump it all into a loaf pan and stick it in the fridge for a few hours. Presto! You've just made a delicious pan of small batch handcrafted halva. Now, to get that $3 million profit, all you have to do is do it again a couple thousand times every day for the rest of the year. Or, if you're Vasilis Paleocostas, you can just kidnap the guy behind the recipe. From Kaleidoscope and iHeart Podcasts, I'm Miles Gray, and this is The Good Thief. Chapter 1. Study Abroad Robbing banks gave Vasilis Paleocostas, the curious boy from a tiny mountain village, an opportunity for real adventure, traveling the world. His mentor, Costa Samaras, told us that in 1991, after Vasilis' first heist in Ioannina, the pair took off. We had a rationale. As soon as it was financially possible, we'd go to a foreign country and live lawfully. Of course, with fake papers under different names. Of all the places they went, Samara says Mexico was the most appealing. 
Αυτό να μην έχει πολύ... Not too much police. Cheap food, cheap living, far from Europe. But also, in a way, the country felt like home. The mentality of the people was like in Greece. Mexicans were more lax. The siesta, the bands in the squares, you'd sit there and the mariachi bands uh, would come and play their music. The good times came to an end when the money ran out. Greece's Robin Hood and his merry band headed home. And in June of 1992, they relieved the National Bank of Kalambaka of about $1.4 million. It's still, to this day, the biggest bank heist in Greek history. Now, I should say, we can't pinpoint every move Vasilis made around this time. His book isn't always precise with dates, and he and Samaras disagree on several details. For example, Vasilis claims that after Kalambaka, Samaras came down from the mountains and called a journalist to brag about what they'd done. That's definitely not in Samaras' version of events. But we do know this. After Kalambaka, Vasilis took the trip of a lifetime. He was about 27 years old, and like so many 20-somethings with a little pocket money and no responsibilities, he got the idea to backpack across Europe. Except, Vasilis' plan was slightly more ambitious than most gap year trips. Instead of buying a Eurail pass, he decided to navigate a route by bicycle. 5,000 miles. From Germany to India. It sounds nuts to me. But, George, you actually have some experience with this kind of thing, right? Yeah, uh, so a few years back, I, I walked a couple hundred miles uh, in the south of France and through Italy and eventually ended up in Rome. It took about five weeks, so I can kind of appreciate firsthand the effort this kind of adventure would take. But also, I have to admit that the idea of riding from Germany to India on a bicycle without Google Maps is 100% bonkers. But also not so bonkers when you consider, hey, this is Vasilis Paleocostas we're talking about. In his book, he explained that a bicycle is the ideal vehicle if you want to avoid authorities. I mean, think about it. With a bike, you don't need to get a license or buy insurance. You never have to stop for gas. And if it breaks down, you can fix it yourself. And if it's really broken, whatever, just buy a new one. So he and a buddy from Greece bought a pair of mountain bikes in Germany and pointed their tires east. They pedaled down the Rhine Valley and accidentally took an exit onto the Autobahn. Then they crossed the Danube and burned their quads up the Carpathian Mountains. From there, it was a straight shot down the plains of Bulgaria and into Istanbul. They caught a ferry over the Bosphorus to continue through Syria until... Yeah. Border guards were never going to let a couple of Greek-speaking, supposedly Brazilian bicyclists pass. For Vasilis, though, it was barely a setback. I mean, he and his crew were used to coming up with plan Bs whenever a security guard or a cop threw a wrench in their plans. So Vasilis pivoted. He bought a couple of plane tickets, then he and his pal stowed their bikes in the cargo hold and flew to Beijing. They were still determined to bike to India, but this time, they decided to approach from the east. The new plan suited Vasilis just fine. 
Other travelers had warned him to stick to Beijing's tourist attractions instead of venturing into rural China. They said Chinese villages were unfriendly, impoverished, and racked by famine. But Vasilis didn't buy it. After all, there were similar rumors about the people he grew up with back in the rough mountains of Greece. And he wanted to experience the region for himself. We wanted to be near ordinary Chinese villages, see what their lives are like, their habits, feel their aura, their land's aura. Turns out, he was right to be unafraid. In Chinese villages, he found hospitality and friendly, resilient people. But the best thing about the area? No cops. Vasilis and his pal romped across China's interior, enjoying themselves, until somewhere between Shanghai and Tibet, something unthinkable happened. A railroad employee stole our thieves' bikes. As he wrote in his book, One of the employees must have forgotten their communist ideals. It's capitalism that leads to stealing. Vasilis and his friend could have bought new bikes, but instead, they just took it as a sign. They'd seen what they wanted to see, so they cut the trip short, jetting off in different directions. By 1995, Vasilis was back in Greece. Now 29 years old, he seemed to have perfected the art of robbing banks, making the whole thing look effortless. By some estimates, he hit up as many as 20 banks in the late 90s, often with his big brother at his side. But one person who definitely wasn't working with him now? Kostas Samaras. As Samaras hinted to us, Kalambaka was a turning point. After that, a rift had developed between him and the brothers. Do you miss this collaboration at all? Yes. I miss it like a fantasy, so to speak. I mean, look, we didn't have a bad time. The different places we went. But people change. In his book, Vasilis uses much harsher words, accusing his former mentor of everything from incompetence to disloyalty. However it happened, shortly after the trio split the Kalambaka proceeds, Samaras took off and never saw the brothers again. As far as Vasilis was concerned, maybe this wasn't such a bad thing. He was getting tired of bank robberies. Too much risk for not enough reward. And what he really wanted was to retire and relax while he was still young. In order to do that, he just needed one big score. One that he didn't have to split three ways. And that's when it hit him. The idea of kidnapping a businessman for ransom kept drifting through my mind. He was about to switch careers from bank robbing to kidnapping. Chapter 2 Man of the People. The truth is, there's little romance in kidnapping. There's no suave Ocean's Eleven plot where you're really rooting for a team of do-good kidnappers. Bank robbery is different. There are lots of stories of gentlemen thieves, clever burglars who steal artfully without harming a soul, and that makes it fun. But kidnapping? It crosses a line. Abducting an individual can lead to a whole other level of trauma. And there are implicit consequences. Like, often kidnappers threaten to hurt the person if a ransom doesn't come through. 
All of which makes it seem like Vasilis was abandoning his morals or his good thief view of himself, when in fact, nothing could be further from the case. For the Paleocostas boys, the period leading up to the kidnapping was when the pair really bolstered their reputation as good guys, giving away a lot of their hard-won money. And in fact, as George found out, it's the stories from this period that still persist. So when the team were in Tricala looking for people who had connections to Vasilis, we drove out of town to Ayamoni, which is an area just on the outskirts where things felt a lot more rural. Houses become more spread out, yards become bigger, you know, you've got a few chickens knocking about. Um, and we stopped inside a shop and met a local named Khotos, who claimed to have known Vasilis when he was a little kid. The family had beehives and he used to visit them to collect local honey. So he's seen them around since they were little and as he puts it, they were the best kids. There were no better children. He'd known them since they were just kids, when they were playing and running around the mountains. But when our team brought up the brothers' record of crime, Khotos got pretty defensive, telling us... What they did was illegal, but around here, they didn't cause any trouble. The stories that Hotos and others told us are endless. Of broke farmers finding tractors full of hay, you know, suddenly showing up on their doorstep. Or widows getting money to put their kids through school. An old man mysteriously having his operation bills paid for. People about to lose their house and finding an envelope of cash. I mean, it all comes from the same period. This stretch where the brothers were hitting up banks left and right. Hotos even brought up this story, which is one of my favourites. One time, Vasily stole a car from a village not far from here. He took the car, committed the robbery, and left it with money as an apology for the damage. Imagine not being able to spot your car for a week, and then finding it returned with an envelope of cash. Villagers swear these stories are real. But what's funny is that it isn't just the locals who tell these stories. We talked with someone who used to be pretty high up in the prison system. Now, we can't use their name or voice because they made a lot of dangerous enemies in that line of work. But they also told us many of the same stories of the brothers' generosity. Unlike Jotos, they described the Palacostas boys as people who, quote, didn't cause trouble. The only difference is, our prison insider wondered if the locals were glamorising things a bit too much. Was there a little too much enthusiasm in this idea of social banditry and, and sharing the spoils with the community? Because on the one hand, it's hard to find the people who had direct involvement with this generosity. And on the other hand, even our prison official had to admit, Vasilis Palocostas is a black. One, two, three, four. So what's a vlak? I had the exact same question. It turns out, Vlachs are a Greek ethnic minority. They're these old-school mountain-dwelling herdsmen. For centuries, they wore their own style of clothes and spoke their own language. The Vlachs have a reputation of being extremely hardworking and extremely isolated from society. But they're also known for being very neighborly. Yeah, that's right. They have this reputation for sharing their bounties and, and really embracing the idea that, as mountain people, they're all in it together. And it seems Vasilis really embraced this heritage. But there's another side of being a Vlach as well. Yeah, I think you were telling me how in Greece, Vlachs are kind of lampooned as hicks. Yeah, I guess that's right. 
I mean, calling someone a black is kind of like calling someone a redneck. And they're isolated, partially because they prefer it, but also because the state hasn't made supporting them a priority. They haven't historically been treated well by the government. So if there's a group that probably doesn't care about the plight of rob banks or, or kidnap millionaires, it's these people that the Sillas grew up with. Trinity School of Natural Health can help you be part of the fast-growing health and wellness industry. With an education that empowers communities, Trinity grads can change lives by applying natural health principles and techniques in holistic practices or stores selling nourishing health products. Offering 19 online programs that fit your busy schedule, you'll get training to help turn your passion into a career. Enroll today at trinityschool.org. That's trinityschool.org. Open a limited-time 11-month certificate at Kemba Financial Credit Union. At 5.25% APY, it's more than triple the national average, plus it's a safe and secure way to grow your money. Visit your local branch or kemba.org cd for details. Offer expires May 31st, 2024. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. $500 minimum and $250,000 maximum deposit. Advantage status required. Comparison based on bank rate average. Federally insured by NCUA. Live Nation presents Concert Week. Now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirk Bentley, Fade, Hootie and the Blowfish, Janet Jackson, Kids Bob Kids, Megan Trainor, Bissell Puma, Sarah McLaughlin. Get tickets to more than 5,000 summer shows for just $25. Until now through May 14th. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert Week to learn more and plan your summer with Sean Paul, Sum 41, 30 Seconds from Mars, oh, and Two Door Cinema Club. Chapter 3, Candy Crush. If Vasilis and Nikos were going to quit the game for good, kidnapping an ordinary businessman wasn't going to cut it. The pair needed a bigger prize, someone who was filthy rich. The question was, who? Rich businessmen in Greece were a dime a dozen. So Vasily started making a list of potential kidnapping victims. But, being the philosopher bank robber he was, he still wanted to do it ethically. So, he spelled out four major requirements for himself. First, that he's rich enough to deliver our ransom demands without being completely destroyed. Second, he must have a coherent family environment to ensure that negotiations run smoothly and that we would get our money. Third, he must be healthy enough to endure this ordeal. And last, but most importantly, it had to be an immoral, corrupted businessman who knowingly affects the lives of a group of people. The victim had to deserve it. Vasilis wasn't just going to kidnap some businessman. He wanted to kidnap a crook. Now, of course, planning a so-called ethical kidnapping isn't easy. Vasilis was looking for a specific target, someone who is embedded in Greece's world of kickbacks, corruption, and political favors. And he became obsessive about the research. To prep, he visited bookstores and libraries, skimming business weeklies and newspapers. He scoured balance sheets and investor reports in search of names. The thing is, he really wanted to get this right. Sometimes, Vasilis thought a potential target had already suffered enough, and he worried about the effect a kidnapping would have on them. I faced many ethical dilemmas, 
In two consecutive instances, both the potential victims lost someone from their immediate families. Taking another blow, like being kidnapped, would undoubtedly finish them. In other cases, it was because the businessmen were more ethical than he'd imagined. Many would be crossed off when I realized they weren't ruthless businessmen. When I found they possessed a human way of doing business. Something that didn't leave me unmoved. And then it happened. After immersing himself in what he calls the stench of rotten economic and political systems, Vasily spotted a title that would change everything a book published by the Greek Chamber of Commerce and Industry. He flipped through the pages and salivated. Here was a list of all the major corporations in Greece, their revenues, profit margins, expenses, and most importantly, the home addresses of their CEOs. Vasily studied the book for weeks. Finally, he settled on a name, Alexander Aitoglu. So I asked Christina to tell me about this guy. So in 1995, Alexandros Haitoglu was Greece's halva king. Halva, for, for the uninitiated, is a confection beloved across the Balkans. It's a bit like fudge, but it contains tahini. Haitoglu's family had been making this delicacy for decades, and their business had grown into an empire. It was the largest processor and exporter of sesame seeds, which is the, the base ingredient of tahini, in all of Europe. At the same time, the Greek government was in some turmoil. Two years earlier, a politician named Adonis Samaras, no relation to our friend Kostas, had abandoned the ruling party to start a right-wing branch called Political Spring. And this Alexander Haitoglu, well, he and his family were close friends with the new party's leader. The Haitoglus backed his party's rise. They, they were so tight, in fact, that the politician routinely came up north to hang out at the Halva King's villa. Now this sounded like the kind of back-slapping and log-rolling that Vasilis loathed. Greedy businessmen and politicians chumming it up as regular people barely scrape by. Vasilis poured over Aitoglu's ledger. The man had made millions in the last year alone. And his labor practices and situations seemed to tick off all of Vasilis's requirements. Vasilis Paleokostas had found his crook. Chapter 4, Trikala Syndrome In the winter of 1995, Vasilis and Mikos begin staking out the home of the candy king, Alexander Aitoglu, in the north of Greece. As Vasilis put it, the pair, quote, made a hell of a team. While Nikos was temperamental and intuitive, and perhaps the best getaway driver in the country, Vasilis prided himself on being methodical and deliberate just like his mentor, Samaras. But it wasn't just that. Vasilis believed it was something in their bloodline that made the brothers expert bandits, particularly when the stakes were high. As he wrote in his book, It was like we were in sync. A single nod, a glance, a gesture. It must have been because the same blood of many generations of defiant Highlanders ran in our veins. The same blood that never let us rest Never let us surrender. As the Paleocostases observed their mark, they discover that every day Aitoglu follows the same routine. Wake up, drive his two kids to school, 
and around 8 a.m. commute to his factory, taking a shortcut on a one-way dirt road. He also never has a security detail. It isn't long before the brothers come up with a plan. On December 15th, Vasilis dons a knit cap and stuffs a browning handgun into his trousers. Over his shoulder hangs a backpack, containing a scorpion machine gun and two grenades. And then he makes his way to a quiet intersection on the one-lane dirt road that Aitoglu travels each day. He's waiting for the Candyman to drive by. Meanwhile, Brother Nikos is in an SUV a few miles away, driving directly in front of Aitoglu. The cars crawl down the road, and because Nikos is driving in front, he has total control of the businessman's speed. Aitoglu can't get around him, so when they reach the intersection where Vasilis is hiding, Nikos hits the brakes. Aitoglu's car lurches to a stop, and then Vasilis pounces. He opens the passenger door, slides into the seat, and shoves a pistol against the candy man's chest. Do as I say or I'll blow you to pieces. The businessman freezes. The next minute is a blur. Vasilis throws a hood over Aitoglu's head, cuffs his hands, and stuffs him into the back of Nikos's trunk. Vasilis looks over his shoulder. On this desolate road, nobody has seen a thing. The brothers drive. They have no destination. Their goal is to rove the countryside, crisscrossing the back roads they know so well, until Aitoglu's family caves to their demands. Nikos leads the negotiations. He calls the candy man's brother and demands the equivalent of about $2 million. Now, $2 million might sound like a lot, but it's a sum the two have talked over for a while. And Vasilis wants to ask for more. He knows after the kidnapping, they'll need the extra money to survive on the land. And after studying the books, he knows Haitoglu can afford it. Nikos gets too worried, though, and talks his little brother down. He says, it's too much money. They'll never pay it. They'll just try to capture us or kill us. So Vasilis begrudgingly agrees. Aitoglu's brother is a rich man, too. He's the owner of a professional basketball team in Thessaloniki. And when he's on the phone with Nikos, he casually mentions that he works with crime bosses all the time, and he isn't scared. He acts as if he's dealing with amateur kidnappers. He even implies that the Paleocostas brothers are common mafiosos. Nikos is pissed. He tells Aitoglu's brother, you're not dealing with henchmen or sports fans. You're dealing with professionals, so act accordingly. He hangs up. The SUV drives deeper into the mountains. They drive for a few hours, aimlessly, killing time. Then the brothers hear moans coming from the trunk. With a hood wrapped over his head, Aitoglu is struggling to breathe. Nico stops, pulls over, and opens the trunk. The rich man tries to bargain for his freedom. He has a briefcase with a couple thousand dollars in it. Please, take it and leave me alone. Vasily starts feeling bad for the guy. So he and Nikos move their victim from the trunk to the back seat of the SUV. They take off his hood so he can breathe and cross their fingers that the tinted windows will hide his whereabouts. They start driving. Two kidnappers chauffeuring a millionaire through the dusty roads of the Greek countryside. Suddenly, Aitoglu has found his oxygen. 
he starts to schmooze and won't shut up. Don't worry, you will get your money. Hey, you guys are real pros. I admire your entrepreneurial spirit. As the drive continues, Aitoglu begins to charm the brothers. He says he sees something in them. I don't get it. Why can't the state make use of talented people like you? Vasilis wants to hate Aitoglu. Just a few days ago, the man symbolized everything wrong with Greece. Greed, corruption, inequality. But Vasilis has to admit, he likes the banter. Hanging with the Candyman is starting to be, well, fun. Aitoglu starts offering the brothers tips on how to best kidnap him. Go that way. No, this way. And begins telling jokes. Vasilis joins in and teases. Hey, maybe we should try to get the police to chase us. After all, you're paying a lot of money. You should enjoy the action. You know Stockholm Syndrome, right? Where a prisoner starts to sympathize with his kidnappers? Well, the opposite starts to happen. The kidnappers start to sympathize with their prisoner. I don't think there's a name for this. So let's give it one. Uh, Call it Tricola Syndrome. As it turned out, he was a cool guy with a sense of humor and a positive mind as well. We were already becoming pals. If someone were to peek inside the car, they would never guess what was actually happening. Aitoglu is growing on them. In fact, when Nico starts driving a little erratically, the businessman tells him to slow down. Otherwise, the police might find them. He jokes that if they run into an ambush, he'll even help out. If anything happens, you should untie me and give me a Kalisnikov. Vasilis laughs. He likes him, but not that much. Aitoglu, of course, isn't the only person trapped in the car. The Paleocostas brothers are stuck in there, too. And the next day, their curiosity gets the better of them. They begin asking their captive, hey, what's it like to be a wealthy businessman anyway? What starts as innocent small talk becomes what Vasilis calls a crash course in the real market economy. Handcuffed in the back of an SUV, Aitoglu begins lecturing two professional criminals on the complexities of procuring sesame seeds in the global marketplace. He tells them everything including how he has to bribe Greek grocery stores to get his product on the shelves. Vasilis is wrapped with attention. Aitoglu was our teacher, and we, his kidnappers, were his students. You can't even imagine the stories about schemes, bad checks, and all kinds of blackmail we listened to. Between Aitoglu's brother, who openly admitted to having connections with crime bosses, to the Candyman discussing how he routinely paid into Greece's black market, the brothers are convinced of one thing, that the rich really do live by a different set of rules. And as Vasilis puts it, Kidnapping's my ass. The real money is elsewhere. Trinity School of Natural Health can help you be part of the fast-growing health and wellness industry. With an education that empowers communities, Trinity grads can change lives by applying natural health principles and techniques in holistic practices or stores selling nourishing health products. Offering 19 online programs that fit your busy schedule, you'll get training to help turn your passion into a career. Enroll today at trinityschool.org. 
That's trinityschool.org. Open a limited-time 11-month certificate at Kemba Financial Credit Union. At 5.25% APY, it's more than triple the national average, plus it's a safe and secure way to grow your money. Visit your local branch or kemba.org slash cb for details. Offer expires May 31st, 2024. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. $500 minimum and $250,000 maximum deposit. Advantage status required. Comparison based on bank rate average. Federally insured by NCUA. Live Nation presents Concert Week. Now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirk Bentley, Fade, Hootie and the Blowfish, Janet Jackson, Kids Bob Kids, Megan Trainor, Bissell Pluma, Sarah McLaughlin. Get tickets to more than 5,000 summer shows for just $25. Until now through May 14th. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert Week to learn more and plan your summer with Sean Paul, Sum 41, 30 Seconds to Mars, oh, and Two Door Cinema Club. Chapter 5, The Price of Fame. By all accounts, Nikos and Vasilis treated Haitoglu well. When it was time to sleep, they folded down the seats of their RAV4 and gave Haitoglu a sleeping pad and sleeping bag so he could rest well inside the car. Meanwhile, they took turns sleeping on the snow-covered ground outdoors. They fed their hostage well, too. Over long breakfasts, the three of them would chat as they filled their bellies with tuna, olives, cheeses, fresh tomatoes, and bread. After 80 hours in the car, Vasilis and Nikos would get their ransom. At least, a piece of it. Vasilis let his older brother handle negotiations with Aitoglu's brother. And turns out, Nikos is kind of soft. He agreed to only $1.2 million, about $1 million less than he originally asked. The negotiation made Vasilis livid. He'd done so much planning for this money, so much research, and they had had long discussions about exactly how much ransom to ask for. And now that Nikos has agreed to take even less, Vasilis is furious at his older brother. Yes, it's partially because he caved, but he's even more upset that his brother made the decision unilaterally. They were supposed to be a team. It was a slight Vasilis wouldn't forget. The rest of the kidnapping proceeded as planned. Aitoglu's brother deposited the money in a secluded spot below a bridge 70 miles south of Trikala. After picking it up, the kidnappers dropped their victim at a local bus station. Aitoglu departs in good spirits. Telling his kidnappers, Guys, if it didn't cost so much, I'd like another adventure with you. Next day, the news spreads. Nikos Salepis, a Trikala journalist who knew the Paleocostas brothers as a teenager, remembers how people in their hometown reacted to the kidnapping. As soon as we heard, we were like, what have they done this time? Did they really kidnap this guy? On the one hand, we couldn't help but laugh. On the other hand, it's like, okay, but this is serious. The one person who actually seemed okay with the kidnapping, though, was Haitoglu. When he talked to the press, he spoke well of his kidnappers. I lived in a car for four days. They treated me humanely above all. And I had the opportunity to talk with them for many hours. 
I wasn't scared for myself. Actually, I enjoyed some wide-ranging discussions. And what's funny is that, as much as Vasilis and Nikos learned from Aitoglu about the economy, the education went both ways. Aitoglu came away from the kidnapping with some real empathy for the people who abducted him. What we all need to realize is that there are people on the other side of the economy. It is a social issue. We have to understand why this phenomenon is created and what prevents these people from joining our society. Speaking to the press, Aitoglu humanized his kidnappers. He described them as social outcasts, as people in need of help. He said if his kidnappers were caught, he really hoped the state wouldn't use violence against them. He also said that he now believed that Greece needed to put more effort into and rethink its correctional system. But as Vasilis noted in his book, Aitoglu's words weren't taken seriously. Newspapers and pundits were quick to call Aitoglu delusional. As Vasilis writes, The ruling class mercilessly derided Aitoglu. They didn't want people to think that his kidnappers were human beings and had proven so. Their goal was to scare the public. The extensive news coverage turned Vasilis and Nikos Paliokostas into household names. And as extreme as their act was, there were a lot of people who appreciated what the brothers did. They had extorted one of Greece's richest men and succeeded in exposing him to a different side of the country without harming or traumatizing him. But if there's any doubt whether the brothers had picked the right mark, years later, Vasilis would be vindicated in his choice of victim. In 2009, the French government got its hands on a huge list naming potential tax cheats, all of them people with undeclared Swiss bank accounts. The list that was handed over to the Greek government included the names of almost 2,000 Greeks. The Greek government did nothing. Two years later, a Greek journalist stumbled upon the list. It included names of prominent Greek businessmen, bankers, and high-level politicians. So he published it. The crazy thing is, when the Greek state responded, it wasn't by investigating the names for tax evasion or putting these tax cheats behind bars. Instead, they arrested the journalist. But one of the names that was made public was Alexander Haitoglu, and also his brother, and his father. Between the three, they had just over $20 million hidden in Swiss bank accounts. And it wasn't just the Haitoglu family. The corruption went straight to the top. Also named were a number of advisors and associates to Antonis Samaras, the right-wing politician who inspired Vasilis to kidnap Aitoglu in the first place and was now Greece's prime minister. But that association would get the brothers in trouble. Because it's one thing to rob local banks. It's another thing to kidnap and extort an ultra-wealthy industrialist, especially one who's best friends with the country's prime minister. After the kidnapping, the state took quick action. They put a $1 million bounty on both of the brothers' heads. Suddenly, one of the best get-rich-quick schemes in all of Greece was to find Vasilis Paleokostas. And everybody in the country could participate, except him. 
The Good Thief is a Kaleidoscope production in partnership with iHeart Podcasts. I'm Miles Gray. Our executive producers are Mangesh Hatikadur, Costas Linos, Oz Wallishan, and Kate Osborne. From iHeart, executive producers are Katrina Norvell and Nikki Etor. Our partners at the Greek Podcast Project are executive producer Daphne Carnesis, field producers Christina Pilioni and George Miadis, and sound designer Nikos Glavanitis, who's also the voice of Costa Samaras. Mary Phillips Sandy is our supervising producer. Shane McKeon is our producer. The show is written and researched by Lucas Riley. Fact-checking by Danya Suleiman. Sound design and final mix by Pran Bandy. This episode featured the voices of Yorgos Karamijos and Thanasis Pilionis. Our theme song is by Imam Baldi, with additional music by Botany. Finally, thanks to Will Pearson, Connell Byrne, Bob Pittman, and John Marinopoulos. Trinity School of Natural Health can help you be part of the fast-growing health and wellness industry. With an education that empowers communities, Trinity grads can change lives by applying natural health principles and techniques in holistic practices or stores selling nourishing health products. Offering 19 online programs that fit your busy schedule, you'll get training to help turn your passion into a career. Enroll today at trinityschool.org. That's trinityschool.org. Open a limited-time 11-month certificate at Kemba Financial Credit Union. At 5.25% APY, it's more than triple the national average, plus it's a safe and secure way to grow your money. Visit your local branch or kemba.org slash cb for details. Offer expires May 31st, 2024. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. $500 minimum and $250,000 maximum deposit. Advantage status required. Comparison based on bank rate average. Federally insured by NCUA. Live Nation presents Concert Week. Now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirk Bentley, Fade, Hootie and the Blowfish, Janet Jackson, Kids Bop Kids, Megan Trainor, Bissell Puma, Sarah McLaughlin. Get tickets to more than 5,000 summer shows for just $25. Until now through May 14th. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert Week to learn more and plan your summer with Sean Paul, Sum 41, 30 Seconds from Mars, oh, and Two Door Cinema Club.